What's up? This is Nikki D with Medium Plus, and I've got a little addition here to the Harlem episode. This is a connected trip that I took uh, while visiting New York, went up to Boston for a few days and visited with their fantastic sommelier community in that city, and I'm really a big fan of what they're doing up in Boston. One of the leaders of their group uh, of professionals is Jason Percival. He works at Post 390 as a sommelier and wine director there. And I had a chance to sit down with Jason and have some drinks and talk a bit about his background. And we also attended a tasting group that he leads and went through five classic wines and got to hear the perspectives that he shares on blind tasting. So here you go, an interview with Jason Percival. How do you feel right now? Nervous. Nervous. Good, because it's like electric, you know, you've got just en energy is coursing through your veins. Always. That and some coupe uh, Syrah. <laughs> Red blend. Red blend. Love that. So who are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Jason Percival. I am from Boston, Massachusetts. Did you grow up here? No, just outside of it, uh, but always within 45 minutes and lived here the last six years. So you were away for a period of time? Away from Boston. Boston? Yeah. yeah. Where were you at yeah. then? Uh, North Shore area, um, Merrimack Valley, uh, half an hour, 45 minutes north. Just the city was always big and scary, so I never came into it. But now you're you're in the thick of it. Uh, yeah, I decided to make the big leap, and then it became unscary. And I think you would be considered a definite leader in the wine community uh, in the area. Is that right? Uh, if, if people tell me I am, I am. <laughs> uh, it's a small community. Um, we all know each other really well, um, and there's uh, a couple people that kind of, you know, the, all the people that uh, run their programs are, are very close um, uh, in always close communication and uh, always meeting and tasting together. So if, uh, if I'm one of the leaders, I'm, I'm definitely proud to be. Well, being just up the road from the uh, monolith that is New York, how do you think Boston uh, can be compared or contrast? Uh, well, we're definitely smaller, right? Uh, that's both a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, the network of, of sommeliers, and we just lost one of our great sommeliers to, to New York. Um, you know, prou certainly proud of him. Uh, and he's, he's, uh, he's joined the... the now it's Chris? The, yeah, yeah. Chris Dooley? Yeah. Chris Dooley has, has, has joined the jungle at EMP down there. Um, uh, and, and I think... Boston certainly can 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 catch up and and, and has a lot to learn from the, uh, the scene in New York. What I found when I went to New York is that um, every place that I went to there, um, cocktails, wine, restaurants, were most of them smaller than than you know, what, what what I see up here, but but also more specialized. They all had what, whatever they did, they did so well because um, there's so much competition that if you don't make it, the guy right next door to you, um, if if he's doing it better, then you're gonna you're, you're not gonna last. You're saying and the venue itself is smaller, or the actual cocktail that you're getting served is smaller? The the venue. Okay. <laughs> the, the venue. <laughs> Cocktails were great. They might yeah. have been smaller too, but but yeah, I mean, it was, but uh, they were they were uh, delicious. Um, yes. And and. 
our scene up here can definitely learn something from that. But uh, what we have is a certain tightness of community. Uh, we are so tight-knit, I think, um, and just very, we're very proud of our city, um, and that we all just kind of want to just rise the whole tide. We, you know, we're dedicated to bringing up the scene here. We are dedicated to the people that are in the city and um, increasing everyone's uh, every, everyone's knowledge um, through education, through tasting, um, through group meetings, and we just want to see this city succeed. So we want to see everybody in it succeed. Tell me a little bit about your current role and where you work. I work at Post 390 in the Back Bay. I'm the beverage director there and have been for the last I guess, four and a half years. Been working there for about five and a half now. Um, it's uh, it's a fairly large restaurant, um, part of uh, part of a company that has two has two other restaurants, Grill Twenty Three and Harvest, and um, we have it's a kind of all American restaurant with um, a wine list. The idea of it is to basically span the world. Um, we represent uh, the benchmarks in, in in each area, and then have a have a bunch of fun stuff just to throw in there and make it fun for us. It was a real pleasure to see your space today at, at Post and to peek into the wine cellar. It was a beautiful sight to see. So it seems like yeah, it's a fun room, all glass enclosed. It's my little uh, uh, glass cave that I, that I that I live in. It seems like you've been um, growing there the last few years, and you were telling me that there's a trajectory from there where you can continue to advance yourself. Um, where have you cultivated that that growth? Has there been someone that has guided you along that path? For sure, yeah. I mean, the reason I've been there for five years isn't because I'm, I, I can't think of something better to do. Um, it's because every day I seem to be learning something new there and making myself better. There's, I, um, I became really disheartened and uh, uh, I'm not going to say jaded, but um, I got really burnt out uh, recently and kind of was looking to looking for other options, but and, and looking for inspiration and kind of traveled outside and uh, another, uh, you know, not someone that I that I that I've tasted with so much, but another person that I would call uh, that I would definitely consider a mentor gave me some uh, fantastic advice and um, really got me inspired to um, kind of quote master my own program and where I wasn't just looking to learn from somewhere new that had uh, a better program than I did somewhere that I could just you know learn the ropes all over again and he said well what can you do to your own why what is it about your own program that that that, that you don't like what 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 can you do better how can you make it the job that you want well why don't you stay there and master master that um, and then you'll actually be on the road to you know if you're going to become a master sommelier you need to master your program before you just go out and start learning someplace new that you don't know and that struck uh, a really big chord with me and so I've uh, that, that's, that's what I've been trying to do. My direct mentor there is um, Brom Callahan, um, who uh, became an MS while, while I was you know, work, working under him. So uh, it's, he's in charge of all of our whole restaurant group now, and um, it's fantastic to be able to work with someone so closely who you know, I respect uh, an incredible amount. And I presume that he is uh, working with you on your personal path towards the MS exam, which you're hoping to to go for this year, yeah? 
He's kicking my ass in that direction um, on a constant basis. Yes, um, he's definitely one of the people that uh, that 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 got me out of the rut and in the funk and put me back on uh, back on MS path rather than rather on the uh, uh, kind of fuck uh, it path. Well, from what you told me earlier, uh, aside from working and, and your practice of running, um, you definitely are studying quite a lot. What are some of the highlights of uh, your study regimen and, and how you make use of your time? Uh, finally getting up earlier in the morning um, and studying a couple hours before work. I used to do that all after work, you know, stay up till 5 in the morning and then have a pretty shitty day at work because I was burnt out and tired. Um, uh, so getting up when the alarm goes off and spending three hours when I'm really awake and very focused um, doing a lot of uh, a, a lot of reading. But at this point, um, I've, like, like we were talking about earlier, really done away with the really done away with the flashcards um, and now it's, uh, it's all about context and, and building the story um, it's about map it's about geography uh, and I've, I have taken vacations on Google Earth uh, already um, I've talked to guests and when they're asking about something I'll maybe you know paint them an Appalachian you know with with my hand you know waving my hands in the air and like well I'm I'm from that region and I don't even know it as well it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of Google Earth it's a lot of it's a lot of map studying but if I if I have the geography um, then, then I understand it. You know, I, you can really only understand if you, if you don't have the context for understanding an Appalachian, or if you don't have the reason why. Uh, then, then it's it's just it's just kind of post-it notes uh, stuck in your head. And um, we're right right now, the, the 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 whole story, the big picture, is is much more the focus. Uh, so spending those couple hours in the morning um, and and really really just just looking, just you know sitting back and actually. Uh, looking at the region as a whole and just trying to connect the dots uh, and, and be able to kind of just repeat it to yourself much more than doing a flashcard. I'm okay for the moment. Thank you. Well, I think that's a lesson that we can pass on the folks who are just starting on their path of study is to get out of the idea of memorizing factoids on a, a card that you have to remember and have your studies be in the story, in the context, and being able to immerse just into the, the whole painting of the, the region or the place and For des sure. describe it to someone else. For sure. I mean, no one actually cares what the mineral alcohol of this region is if that's all it is. If, if it's in a vacuum, it's there's a reason that it's there. Um, and you, you're going to need to understand so much more. Maybe you I mean you can, once you understand kind of the climate and the, and, and the general rules, uh, the, 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 the grapes, what they generally achieve, you can kind of, you know, piece that together and say, oh, that makes sense why they need and, and it's not just it's not just memorizing a list of numbers or, or a technical grid. It's it's all clues, and it's all it's 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 it's, it's all dots that are connected. And there's and there's a great story behind why. Well, and even something like minimum alcohol, it only starts to really make sense when it's, for example, compared of let's say Amarone versus Chablis versus um, Bordeaux, and, and you see different climates and different Climate, styles of winemaking. Exactly. You know and. and that's when it makes sense is when there's a pattern that emerges or a reasoning for why it matters. Mm -hmm. A pattern. That's 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 a great. I, I, that's a great way of thinking about it.
What is a revelation that, that you've had in your studies that you think would be helpful to a, a person who's just starting on their path? Like a moment of inspiration for you. The moments I'm most inspired, and this might not really be answering your question, but the moments I am have been the most inspired is when I'm connected to the community as, as a whole. My time at uh, Nantucket Wine Festival, um, uh, TechSom, SomCon, is being just honestly polishing glasses around a bunch of like-minded people <laughs> is a great way to get inspired going to listen to people do seminars um, who know the region better than yeah. you tasting with people who are better than you but are just as driven getting involved in the community is much more rewarding so far than any amount of sitting home and reading books and looking at maps that I've done the I can't do that without feeling like I'm connected to another network of people that's doing the same thing and that you know even when I'm not around them because I you know I don't get to see your part of my network I don't, don't get to see you all that often mm -hmm. but but I know that you're doing you know you're you're invested in the same work you're doing the same thing and um, and I know that all those people who are in New York or in Atlanta or in Chattanooga or in Seattle or in Austin are when they're when they're on the floor you know they're they're doing the same things with the guests that, that I'm doing and then you know when, when, we, when we get together it's like we all just I mean we know each other because we know each other's work uh, and and it's just that instant connection and, and it's it's feeling like there's there's other people out there dedicated to the same thing who, who I and I however often I get to see them that's just that makes it worth it to me and that's the inspiration behind it otherwise I don't think I would be able to continue doing this it's it's why would you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a rare breed of person who can get up in the morning and, and go to uh, a, a restaurant off hour and, and taste Nebbiolo at, at 10 a.m. And, I, you know, that uh, passion is when it's shared, that connection is really easy. And uh, I think building that community starts in a home environment, in a home city, but quickly um, can escalate to that, that national stage of something like TechSom or, or SomCon um, or the, the Guild Som um, parties and events. So I really think that's what keeps me constantly growing in my passion is being able to come to Boston and say, oh, I've got friends there and we can grab a glass of wine. The great thing is, is you kind of have friends who, wherever you go, you generally <laughs> have a friend somewhere. For sure. Well, thanks so much for uh, telling me a little bit about um, your current path, and I look forward to sitting, hopefully, in uh, San Francisco this July. I hope you're there. I certainly look forward <laughs> to that. I certainly hope to be. Okay. Well, let's do this thing. All right. All right. Come on. Cheers. <coughs> Cheers. <laughs> All right. Um, five people, five wines. Uh, we each take a wine. I would like to take wine number five because I have no idea what it is. Um, uh, Laura brought that one. Um, so, uh, in general, do uh, what would you rather do? Do you rather do you have trouble more with whites or or with reds? Guessing me. Uh, all of you. Would you rather take a white or a red? Because we don't have to go in order. I'm going to try to figure out how to keep... I think I have more trouble with 
whites. So I'll take. So you take. I'll take. You take white. I'll take white. Okay. One, two. Three. You okay with red? Sure. Then. Three, four. And red. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, if you both said white, then I should probably go read four. Um, yeah. I'll time it, but more just for the point of uh, just keeping keeping track. Great. Nudge whoever needs a little bit of nudging. Okay. So right. just doing the four minutes full grid. Yeah, I think unless unless you'd like to do it a different way, we could all taste. I mean, I, I figured we'd each take a wine. We could yeah, and, 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 and do the full grid. If you would rather just no. if the if the grid isn't something that you're wanting to work with and just wanting to just just pick out the most important things and just list what's speaking about it and, and making guesses, that's, no, that's, that's, that's a fair way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Figured good work is good for us to get in practice with. Though. Fantastic. All right. So wine number one. It's a white wine, clear. Start bright with a moderate intensity of color. Yellow at the core with platinum highlights. No staining of the tears, no rim variation. There are light bubbles. Uh, viscosity and tearing is moderate. On the nose, the wine is sound with a moderate aromatic intensity. The wine shows a youthful character. Fruit quality is tart on the nose. Leading with tree fruit, tart green apple, tart um, boss pear, lemon peel, delicate white flowers, gardenia, delicate uh, dried herbs, parsley, tarragon. There's a, a lees component here showing as a stale beer. High impression of minerality, inorganic, hard stone. No impression of oak on the nose. Uh, additional note, getting a dried white mushroom. On the palate, the wine is sound. Dry with a moderate body. Fruit showing um, still tart, but into more of a ripe territory on the palate. So I'll just say uh, just ripe. Tree fruit, um, green apple, boss pear, lemon peel. That floral quality persists uh, with white flowers, gardenia, cherry blossom, apple blossom, steel beer, um, and peanut shell indicating lees contact. Uh, but no oak impression on the palate either, so like the stainless steel elevage. Looking at a high impression of inorganic minerality, of a, a crushed stone, uh, crushed chalk with uh, dried mushroom, uh, acacia, birch bark on the structure. Acid is moderate plus, alcohol moderate, no tannin, but I am uh, detecting a, a phenolic bitterness and kind of a, a lean, crunchy texture. Wine is well balanced with a uh, moderate complexity and a moderate finish, high quality overall, and solid deliciousness. Due to the lean character of the fruit and a mineral emphasis here, I'm gonna take this one of the old world from a moderate climate. 
looking at a neutral grape variety here that sees least, least contact um, with uh, elevated but not high acid. Uh, Pinot Grigio from Italy, Grüner Veltliner from uh, Austria. Age range one to three years. Final conclusion, this is a uh, Pinot Grigio We're from the old world from Italy, from northern Italy, from Alto Adige, from Val d'Adige, uh, DOC, from the 2015 vintage. Wine number two is clear. Uh, it is star bright with a moderate concentration of color. Um, it's a yellow pour with fading uh, into a silver rim, slight green hue. Uh, there's some gas, small bubbles, um, no sediment viscosity. Viscosity is uh, moderate plus. Limestone minerality, some inorganic earth, crushed white rock. Again, I'm not really getting any evidence of the oak. I think this is stainless steel, but there is texture. Um, it's kind of a creaminess to the wine. There's some malolactic fermentation. Uh, I'm also going to add uh, to the nose. There is um, some indication of leaves contact, but a little bit of a yeasty quality. Adding to the texture. Um, for structure, say the uh, acids medium plus. Um, alcohol is say moderate. Uh, the wine is in balance. Finish is moderate, finishing on that uh, limestone kind of chalky white earth minerality. Uh, 
complexity is, I'd say, moderate. Uh, initial conclusion, um, taking this wine to the old world from a cooler climate, possible varietals include um, Chenin Blanc Chardonnay, possible countries France, uh, age range two to four years, Conclusion: This is um, a Chardonnay from France, from Burgundy, from Chablis, uh, village level vintage, 2014. 2014. Okay. Uh, let's see. Wine number three is cleared, is uh, bright. It is a uh, medium ruby color, going up to a uh, kind of salmon rim, very thin, watery rim. I see no signs of gas or sediment. The viscosity is um, moderate. Plus, um, no real staining of the tears on the nose. When it's sound, it is developing. Um, <clears throat> it's a uh, moderate plus intensity of aroma. It's a very savory wine. Um, but uh, for fruits, there's a bit of red fruit, a very dried and kind of tart at the same time. And there's um, some red, there's some cherry, um, raspberry. dried mushroom shiitakes, uh, also kind of uh, damp forest floor. There's also some um, uh, kind of crushed rock, uh, very gravelly kind of soil. And I'm getting a little bit of the vanilla, not a whole lot in baking spice. Um, so I think this is a neutral barrel. See, there's a, a lot of other of them. So there's some um, kind of dried purple red flowers. Uh, there's some uh, real purple tone to this with um, kind of a, let's see, tarragon, chervil, and delicate green herbs. Um, there's also some cedar, cigar box, uh, green tobacco, um, black peppercorn, and uh, black tea. Sound is dry. It's medium plus body. Um, for me, those really dried and tart uh, red fruits with the raspberry, cherry, uh, some cranberry as well. And there's still that uh, kind of red and black plum in the back. And the um, inorganic earth really steps up on the palate. Um, a lot more of that kind of stony, gravelly. Powdery earth, um, but there's still some of that kind of um, forest floor mushroom notes. Uh, I'm still not really getting anything for uh, for oak, um, but it, uh, I believe this has been a neutral barrel. Mm -hmm. 
not really getting the baking spice, um, but that uh, those others are really kind of savoriness really takes over. It's that kind of a leather um, that uh, kind of um, to the to the black tea, the black peppercorn. It's all still there from the dried flowers. Structurally, uh, the tannins are more plus in their course. There's um, moderate plus acidity, moderate plus alcohol. The wine is in balance with a moderate plus finish and finishes on that, uh, that really uh, kind of tart dried fruit. And uh, the wine is of uh, high complexity. In conclusion, I'm going to take this to the Old World, possible grapes for Tangibese, uh, Nebbiolo, and Tempranillo. Uh, possible countries, Italy and Spain, um, in a moderate climate, and age range, say, um, um, five to eight years. And final conclusion, I'm going to say this is a 2011 Classico. Grape, Italy. Sorry. <laughs> you didn't Classico? Yeah. Okay. Wine number four is clear. It is has a ruby core fading out to a thinner pink white water rim. Uh, there is no visible gas or sediment. It is bright of medium plus con medium concentration and viscosity is medium plus on the nose. The wine is down and clean. The wine is developing. Uh, it is of moderate aromatic intensity. Primary fruits, uh, red cherry, red currant. There's a red plum, plum skin, uh, red apple, mostly pretty much all red, uh, red fruits of a slightly tart variety. There's some fresh cut herbs on here, some tarragon, a little bit of a, a rosemary, uh, some dried red rose petals. Earth on here is a, a brown potting soil, freshly turned brown potting soil, a little bit of forest floor, some uh, kind of brown tea leaves, chestnut. Maganini kind of clove or cinnamon baking spices. So this has seen of the probably neutral barrel. We'll confirm on the palate. And some uh, black peppercorn, green peppercorn. Okay, on palate. The wine is sound clean. The wine is. 
medium plus body. Primer fruits confirming the tart red fruit, red cherry, uh, red currant, red plum as a, a tart strawberry. Also confirming the uh, herbaceous uh, tarragon red rose petal to that brown potting soil. And brown leather. The wine is of Okay, I don't think this is seen. Oak. Neutral barrel. It is of has medium plus acid. Medium tannins. Medium alcohol. When it's in balance, it is a medium is a medium plus length of finish and it is um, moderate complexity. Initial conclusion, I'm going to take this wine into the old world from a moderate climate to uh, the high acid home. Moderate climate. Uh, possible countries of Oregon, France. Uh, Spain, possible great varietals. Uh, Grenache from the Rhone Valley, Grenache blend from the Southern Rhone, Tempranillo from Spain, from uh, Rioja. <coughs> Gamay from Burgundy from Beaujolais. Age range, 35 years old. Final conclusion, this wine is from France from the Southern Rhone, uh, Côte d'Aron, Village level 2013. Is Côte d'Aron, Village something you'll ever get in an exam? I don't know. No. no. Okay, then no. So, call it to Mandeville. Yeah, maybe Beaujolais, Beaujolais, Village. Stay with where you are. Just call it something different than Côte d'Aron, Village. Okay, uh, Baccarat. That is testable. And vintage? 2013. Okay. And uh, wine number five is a red wine. It is a uh, is a slightly hazy red wine. It's just bright. There's a uh, moderate plus concentration of color. Uh, this is a uh, this is a fairly ruby core fading out to a slightly more garnet rim. I don't see any gas. There's definitely a little a little bit of uh, of, of sediment and turbidity. Uh, the viscosity of this wine appears to be high. The nose wine is sound with a moderate intensity and it is developing. Uh, the fruit here is ripe uh, and mostly black. Uh, a little bit of red too, but there's definitely like a black currant, black raspberry, black cherry. Uh, there's something that's moving into the. It's actually slightly overripe as well. There's something a little bit something a little bit cooked about the fruit. There's a slight sense of VA as well. 
Uh, there's some uh, red and purple flowers here. Um, it has a little bit of a violet. There's certainly a chocolate uh, note to this. A slightly mocha, uh, damp earth, but clean. Um, nothing really funky. Some sweet vanilla baking spices. There is new oak on this, as evidenced by those, and also that, that chocolate uh, as well. It's kind of like a cedar mulch, like a toasted kind of quality to it. Cola beans. Moving to the palette. Mine is sound, dry, full-bodied. It's a little bit grippier than I expected it to be. The fruit here is ripe, but not really overripe, but it is still, it's kind of a mix of red and black. Both red and black cherry, red and black uh, uh, raspberry, blackberry. Um, there's certainly uh, black plum. A little bit of the skin as well. Um, dried flowers, um, not not so fresh there. appeared to be much more fresh on the, on the nose. Here we've got more like a dried uh, purple, some red flower. Um, or like a little bit of a dried cedar mulch. A little bit of a tobacco, there's a slight bit of smoke. There's a really like stony, gravelly earth component, a little bit more earth here uh, than there appeared to be on the nose where it seemed kind of fresh soil. Now it's a little bit more dirty earth um, and a little bit rougher, more coarse and tumble. It's not really organic, but we're really inorganic earth. In this one, there's some baking spice, a little bit of vanilla there. Uh, this has seen some uh, new oak uh, burdic aging. Um, and there's a yeah, slight smoke that more savory component coming out here. Um, structure. <clears throat> Acid is moderate plus. Alcohol is also moderate plus. Tannins are moderate plus and they are a little bit coarse. There's definitely some wood tannin here. It's that kind of dusty, uh, coarse uh, texture, not quite integrated into the wine yet. The wine is in balance. It has a moderate plus complexity um, and uh, a moderate plus length of finish. And I really understand where you get your name of your company from now. Do <laughs> that stemmy kind of grippy quality. I'm gonna take this into the uh, take this into the old world. This is from a moderate climate. Um, possible grape varieties here include Cabernet Franc, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Merlot. These are the Bordeaux variety um, from France. Uh, um, this could uh, also be. Uh, it's going to also be uh, Tempranillo from Spain. I get more herbaceousness than I do that kind of sweet dried fruit. I don't think it's American oak. Final conclusion, I'm going to 
um, and it's to the old world. This is from uh, this is Merlot dominant wine. This is from the right bank of Bordeaux, uh, Saint Emilion, uh, countries France. This is from the 2012 vintage. Describe this wine very, very well. Uh, you kind of sped through it. Uh, 22 seconds, you just for timing all around was really good. Uh, you were 22 seconds on the no on the on the site, a minute 30 on the nose, very appropriate. Um, and do uh, about three minutes. Um, actually, you do about sorry, just a minute 10 on the nose, and then you finished uh, a minute 30 on the, uh, on the on the palate, and just. Uh, Couple of seconds for, for conclusion. Um, uh, you uh, everything that you mentioned made 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 sense for the varieties that you had said. Um, really tart fruit, uh, mostly green and some lemon peel. Um, hard st uh, stone, a lot of of minerality to it. Um, some white flowers and uh, lees stale beer. You were really dialed in. You didn't say much about it on the nose. You just hit the points that were there, and there's really not much else to say about it. Um, you, I think you were able to speed through it because there just wasn't whole lot to get into. Um, stale beer and peanut shells, you kind of echoed um, uh, on, on the palate. You got a little bit of a mushroom. I think you said acacia just to get a little bit of a delicate earth in there. Um, uh, I like that you, you know, I think your structure was right. Medium plus acid. I might, I might, I think it's a little bit lower um, because you mentioned also that it's got phenolic bitterness to it where you put in instead lieu of tannin you want phenolic bitterness which is where I generally think about it as well and I was hoping that, that you would say that because it's definitely a defining part of, of this wine um, and often phenolics and acid do the same kind of thing um, to your to, to your palate they just hit in slightly different places but it has the same kind of watering effect um, this could be Gruner or Pinot Grigio you went with Pinot Grigio Alto Adige because you had that elevated uh, acid which I think Alto Adige would um, where was everyone else on the one did you make an in internal Al call Albarino what was it that put you in Albarino um, I thought, I didn't think the citrus was as tart. I thought there was some sweeter citrus as well. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I didn't think the acid was as high as like a Muscadet or Pinot Grigio. Muscadet so, is generally going to be high, yeah. and a Pinot Grigio is just going to be often going to be moderate. Okay. Albarino somewhere right in the middle of those two. Okay. has riper fruits. It also has a lot of elevated um, floral notes to it, and like terpenes. So it's got that almost like soapy like thing. Um, where were you, where were you on this? Well, I did consider Albarino, and then I also considered New World for a little bit because it's a little bit fuller body than I kind of expected. For. New World. Uh, well. New World, the only thing I could think of for this would be Oregon Pinot Gris. Mm -hmm. um, and like something you said, that it's a little bit riper on the palate rather than the was on the nose. That, yeah, but it, I don't know. I don't like it for Oregon Pinot Gris, so then I was in that realm with Albarino, Bruno Bellinger, and mm -hmm. Pinot Grigio. And um, so then it was a debate between Friuli and Paso Adige for me because I came down to Pinot Gris. Okay. Uh, if you were to put it in one. I don't think it's as bitter as I would expect for Friuli, so I would go out to Adige as well. Okay. 
Um, I was initially in Muscadet just with the laziness of it. Um, there's almost like a cream soda aspect that I get to it as well. Um, so I, I, I would call Muscadet. Muscadet, okay. Uh, the wine is in fact uh, Pinot Grigio. Um, it is, it is freely, um, and that's where that slight bit of ripeness comes from, um, uh, because it's you just get a little bit more warmth there than you do. That wine's probably broken. Um, uh, this is uh, Marco Feluga. Uh, Mon Gris, just meaning Mon, single, uh, Gris, Pinot Gris. So it's their single variety. This whole Mon Gris just means a single variety, Pinot Gris. One Gris? Grigio, yeah, one Gris. Uh, one grape to rule them all. <laughs> <laughs> the one, two, three, divide them. Um, yeah, if there's a uh, kind of, from what I understand, a shitty vintage there. Um, <laughs> Uh, really? With a little bit of heightened acidity, so you may get if, if you get the heightened acidities because it was a cooler, damper, rainier, rainier vintage. Um, they certainly make this in the in the in the classic way. Um, not so much as I think Livio Faluga. Come, I think his cousin comes across as a little bit. You get more of that copper color, and it's almost like if you pour that, it's just super obvious. Um, when when you look at it, this one a little bit more difficult, um, but certainly extended kid skin contact. There is uh, there's uh, there's that. that bitterness to this wine. Um, I would generally, for Albarino, you get the creaminess, you get the leasiness, um, uh, you get more ripeness of fruit, but you get that kind of uh, often, and this is hard for me to pick up, but that uh, when, when I do, if it's a right example, I get I get that kind of chemical, almost um, uh, uh, perfumed element to it. There's definitely more florality to it. Um, but so many things uh, it shares in common. Muscadet will generally have, it also doesn't have very much to say, it's the same kind of tart green and yellow fruit, but it will have much more elevated acidity, where it's, you know, you're getting into pretty high acidity on there, but that kind of, um, that's, it's really a very similar soil here, we're still, we're more granitic soil in Friuli, and certainly in, um, in, in uh, uh, Pinante, uh, you're getting this, the same kind of like inorganic minerality. The big difference there is going to be uh, the acid calming, the structure uh, between those two. Um, so, yeah, and it's that, that peanut shells, I think, that yeah, is still here. It was, uh, yeah, telltale signs. It smells like, like, like the eighth inning of like the baseball game, you know? Yeah. It's like the, pe the oh, beer's yeah. kind of like the warm beer's kind of on everyone's kind yeah. of on the ground, like the peanut Just shell. Yeah, you're kind of like like kind of a hot day. You're like, oh, we'll go right here. <laughs> What's that restaurant where you throw peanut shells on the floor? Oh, Longhorn. Long, yeah, yeah, Longhorn Steakhouse. That's probably the spot. Because <laughs> it is like spilled beer and peanut shells on the carpet. And sadness. Yeah, it's on the carpet. <laughs> Love it. Uh, all right, uh, wine number two, also good timing here. I didn't get all your breakdowns, but a minute 43 for both um, sight and, and nose, which would be like 20 seconds and a minute and a, and a minute and a half, and like a minute 20, which is very appropriate. Um, and uh, uh, finishing up just about two minutes on the, on the, on the, um, 
for, 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 for the second half puts you at j just under four minutes. So uh, very well done there. I like that you're already in warmer fruits here. Um, you went with golden and yellow, apple and pear. You didn't say green, but you know, lemon flesh, not so much the lemon skin like this, which you said lemon peel, you said lemon flesh, so not quite as tart here. Um, uh, mostly inorganic earth. Um, I'm going to be really picky on this one only because someone was really picky with me. White rock, I like the call, and then you said a limestone. And I was told be very careful about mentioning an actual soil type. Okay. Um, uh, an MS told me that just, and some of them will say, yeah, that's okay, and others will like just hate that call. And the one that I sat with hated the call, like, don't tell me a soil type, don't stoke, because you can't smell limestone. You can say white chalky rock, which is essentially limestone, but they're, <laughs> they're very picky about saying, so I'd say just to, okay. just so you don't get harassed by someone who's going to be really up your ass about it, um, <laughs> don't, don't say limestone, just say white, white chalky rock. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a very correct soil type here, because um, it is essentially what it's, what it's grown on. Um, uh, white flowers, you mentioned a lot of blossoms. I didn't write down specific ones. I think you said apple and lemon blossom. Yeah. Um, and leaves, again, a very driving component of this wine. No um, oak, you said uh, stainless steel. Um, there's a little bit more that I wanted on the nose that I'll come back to. Um, uh, you went, you, when you said leaves when you were on the palate, uh, again, really, really picky. You said, I'm going to go back to the nose and add lees. But you didn't say lees for the palate. Oh, and you have to then put it there because it's just a point. It's yeah. like, I know you know it's there because you tasted it. And then you said, oh, there's lees here. I should add it to the nose too. So you got to say, there's lees. I'm going to go back to the nose and add lees. Um, make sure you say it for the palate just because it's a box and you didn't say it. So okay. it's like... Uh, she should have just said it and then so I could just check off the box for Lee's. It's a point game at that point. Um, you got mallow, and I think because you got a creaminess to this wine. Um, and I think there's a lot of texture, but it's not because I can say it's not because of, I'm pretty sure it's not because of mallow. Um, I think it's just the Lee's um, and possible phenolics too that give it that a lot of texture. This wine has a lot of texture, it's like a lot of glycerin to it. It's really ripe. But it's not because of mallow. And it's that too. took you and that yeah. That took you down the wrong road here. Um, but otherwise the things that you were saying were like, oh yeah, you're saying the right things. Um, crushed white rock against stainless steel. You ended up going Chablis, which makes sense, because if you were anywhere else in Burgundy, I would have said that doesn't really make sense. Um, uh, Chablis will give you, I think, a little bit more of that green rather than yellow fruit. Um, uh, oh, structure, I think you were good here. Um, acid medium plus and alcohol medium, I totally agree with that. Um, I think uh, it's got a touch of phenolics um, in here, which you could maybe mention in lieu of, uh, in lieu of tannin. So just think about texture where you go through the tannin box and just skip it for white, that's where I put the texture and that's where you, it seems like you do the same thing. You said, um, I like that you said it finishes, you know, moderate finish, but it finishes on chalk. I think it's got a little bit more complexity to it. The thing that I wanted to hear in both the nose and the palate was, um, I'll hold on that. Um, uh, Shen and Shard were, were in your initial. Um, Shannon will often have a little bit of an off-dry quality to it. And you said this one why this wine was dry. Um, I, it's got a lot of ripe texture to it. You won't generally see mallow. I, they, Chablis and Shannon are often confused, though. I certainly do that. Shannon would give you, I think, a bit more funk 
Um, Chablis will often give you like a cheesy leasiness as well, and uh, so I'm curious to see what other people what other people thought this was okay. um, before I say just the kind of the term that I wanted to hear a little bit. I was writing Chablis as well. You were with you were with Chablis, and what was it? What what put you in Chablis? Um, tartness, the that you know, like the chalkiness. Um, I don't know, it's not. It's a little bit fuller, so I'd like the Chardonnay for it. Um, yeah. Mostly the minerality and that, like, the acidity. I think is a really good call for it, um, and it, it definitely makes sense for the wine. I was also in Chablis. Chablis? Yeah. I was in the Gruner camp on this one. Okay. Yeah. What put you in Gruner? Gruner, it was a combination of things. Very similar markers to a Pinot Grigio, but having uh, more of a aromatic quality in terms of green um, components, so vegetables, root vegetables, herbs. Having, um, there's bubbles in the glass, and that's often a, a marker of wine that is bottled under screw cap, mm -hmm. for green or belt inner, and uh, structurally bone dry. Not a lot to say aside from texture and just, it's, it's just a notch higher than the Pinot Grigio in, in terms of aromatic intensity, but still in that neutral grape camp. Yeah, and uh, it is Gruner Veltliner. I was going to do Pinot Grigio Chablis, just because they're so similar except for an, an acid vet, but I decided to do Gruner instead, just because it's a little bit closer to Pinot Grigio in terms of acid, and it has the same kind of phenolic bitterness that Chablis won't have, um, and it's that kind of that, that green kind of canned vegetable. Admittedly, this is a little bit funkier. Um, this is definitely a more funky style of it's heading into that kind of schmog reserve thing, though it, though, though it, though it isn't, um, but, it, but it's, it's kind of heading into the canned vegetable a little bit, and it's that green kind of herbal call that I think puts this in, in, in Gruner. Um, is this rather than It is Brindlemeyer, yeah, um, which has a, has a and, and it's that, um, the, and I forgot to mention this, but you did say, you said green in color, which is Chablis and also Gruner for sure, um, and slight gas, which I forgot to circle because I wanted to highlight that. Because when you said that, that's a good call for a screw cap. Um, okay. And so that's definitely something to go with kind of an initial. Um, just think, okay, um, gas. Uh, so things under screw cap, uh, not, it could be, um, often you'll see that in Muscadet, uh, Gruner and Pinot Grigio. Um, uh, not to say it's not in Chablis, especially a young vintage. You said 2014. 2015 just came out. Um, so I think it's an excellent call. Uh, this is the uh, Berg Vogelsang, so that's a, that's a, a single vineyard um, uh, Bruno. That's why you get, if they're going to do a single vineyard, you're kind of getting into that more, uh, a, a, lot, a lot more richness and, and ripeness. Um, 2014 is a fairly classic vintage with them, 12.5%. Uh, this is Kremstal, right? This is Kremstal. You probably know that. Kremstal, Kremstal. Yeah. yeah. Have to study Austria. <laughs> um, but really nice job taking that wine down. That was meant to be the difficult wine. Um, all right. Um,
uh, initially on the on the site you picked up that we're moving into a more salmon rim, so you're kind of getting that aging. Um, uh, moderate plus viscosity, I think, so no staining, right? Um, uh, it's definitely developing. Um, uh, your, your timing is really good here, just over two minutes on the on the nose and the in the, in the, in the site. A little bit longer for nose, but I think because you had an awful lot to say on the nose, um, your total time for the wine was putting you at just about four and a half minutes, but uh, since we were going through the whites a little bit more quickly, uh, that's a totally appropriate length to spend on this wine, I think. Um, and you had a really steady cadence, uh, I thought. Um, really dried tart fruit. Uh, initial thing, you first said savory, and I like that, but I like that you, you then decided not to talk about savory elements. You went in the same order on both the nose and the palate for describing. You said, okay, it's savory, I'm gonna remember that, but let's go back to fruit, dried tart, red, uh, cherry raspberry, uh, plum, a little bit of black in there, and I, I would agree that there's a kind of that, that touch of like a little bit blackish fruit. Um, dried purple flowers, you got herbal, um, uh, and then cedar, cigar, tobacco, um, pepper, black tea, and I circled black tea because I really like that call because that's such a hallmark for, for wines that have black tea. Uh, does that mean anything to you when, when you say that? Um, it's usually something that associate with tannins, but I don't really know why. Uh, you associate that with, with anything? Have you ever said tea? Um, I haven't. He has said it a lot, so I like the call. I tend to be in just, it just reminds me of Italy, and it's not a good excuse. No, that's a good, that's, that's a good reason that it does. Does that mean anything to you? Black tea, if you quality? Uh, and why would it have that? Well, so black tea is a oxidized uh, Camellia sinensis. Wine gets oxidized due to uh, either bottle or barrel age. Mm -hmm. So could be sharing that or aromatic character. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever said black tea? Yes, well, I said it on. Okay, what does it mean to you? To me, it means tannins because I I don't drink coffee. I drink a lot of tea, and so I'm mm -hmm. very familiar with the the tea tannins, the leaf tannins of okay. it, and, and how it can be like oversteeped. Yeah, oversteeped. And yeah. so where do tannins come from? The skins. <laughs> the skins yeah. So yeah, yeah uh, like steep. So yeah. long maceration is uh, black tea. I often, when I say it, I immediately think uh, extended maceration, um, which is something the wine definitely has. Um, uh, shiitake mushroom, a lot of organic, inorganic, um, damp forest floor. I think damp is a really good call for that because then you think, okay, what else is in a damp forest floor? Rotting things, uh, wet leaves, moss, lichens, that sort of thing. Um, a very old world kind of a call. Crushed gravel because it's got that coarseness. So vanilla but neutral oak, um, which I thought was interesting. I, it's, you said, I, I meant to say older. Okay, yeah, it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely older, because um, you didn't get any of the baking spices, but yeah. you just picked up, I guess, a little bit of vanilla, so you thought, okay, oak, but not um, but not enough for it to be new, because it's not really flashy and polished, and uh, it's certainly oxidized. One thing that I th think this, this wine has, which uh, I, I would say, but um, I'll see if anyone picked up on it. Does anyone get VA? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you, something when you say VA, what aromatic uh, quality is that? Like a balsamic vinegar. Okay. Um, something that VA, I often think, I'll often t like smell a wine and be like, oh, that's been opened too long. And then like, no, I opened it two seconds ago. And I'm like, okay, it's just VA. Um, right. It's just a part, of, a part of the wine. Like sure. higher fuselage. When I started off and said savory, balsamic vinegar was the thing I thought of, and then I completely forgot to mention that. Okay. Yeah, so if you think that in VA, that's because that's another thing that will put you, only a couple of wines will do that. 
and I like making the distinction between DA and EA. For that sounds right in my face. I had no idea there were shades. Oh. <laughs> That's what I'm just marveling at. There's shades in this room. You've worked here for five and a half years. I've never seen them. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what, what were you <laughs> saying? Sorry. Oh, yeah. So, like in, making, <laughs> in making a distinction between VA and EA, uh, ethyl acetate being a... I, I don't know this. Uh, yeah, ethyl acetate is a uh, chemical that comes from uh, VA, so yeah, acetic acid. I've seen it in beer. Yeah. We talk about ethyl acetate. Yeah, so it, it's an ester that's created um, from the interaction of, I believe it's uh, VA plus alcohol. So um, acetic acid plus alcohol get ethyl acetate, and that's more of that like Sharpie marker. Uh, acetone okay. quality. That oh, like nail polish removal. Nail polish removal. Or so like mark, like magic marker. Magic marker. That? Yeah. Yeah. So oftentimes uh, the term VA is used in the tasting, and then they say, "Oh, it smells like nail polish remover." Since they're related chemicals, there can be both VA and EA. But it's mm -hmm. it's important to uh, recognize sometimes there's a just a difference between the source and the overall. ethyl acetate and like acetic acid or like yeah. acetobacter kind of thing. Okay. Um, but it's not kind of related uh, chemically. Yeah, just and essentially in winemaking, what causes both is, uh, you know, acetobacter, the bacteria, eats oxygen mm -hmm. and produces acetic acid. Oftentimes that's due to large barrel. And because it has more, yeah, because it's getting oxidized. And it's got more yeah, as, as it's emptying room. the large barrel at the end of the winemaking cycle, that oxygen with the residual wine uh, is a breeding ground, and then the barrel doesn't get cleaned as thoroughly as uh, really it's not possible because of the porosity of the, of the wood. So then the, the bacteria breeds, and then uh, it affects the next wine. So. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Why, okay, so relating it to actual barrel size there, uh, which is another indicator of the wine. Uh, on the palate, you kind of have the same thing, that tart red, um, kind of like almost like crunchy fruit. Uh, leather, yeah, which you didn't say on the nose, but I underlined here because it's definitely there. Again, black tea, got some black pepper. Dried flowers, um, uh, uh, you didn't mention color again here, but um, which is a, a good thing just to just to kind of clarify what, yeah. what kind of flowers. So it's because you mentioned purple on the, on the nose, so I'd like to just hear an echo of the color. Green herbs, uh, you put oregano in here again. You're kind of getting that savory, like, pizza spice thing um, uh, uh, forest floor mushroom again gravelly stones you're getting a lot of textural components here uh, neutral barrel um, uh, yeah sure especially looking at the color you know it has to have been either it has to have some age either from extended bottle age or from uh, and it's, it doesn't seem like it's a really old wine um, or extended um, uh, aging in, in barrel um, uh, medium plus across the board, uh, coarse tannins, um, and uh, finishing on again. You mentioned you mentioned how it finished, Ali, um, and you mentioned how it finished again. You said tart fruit, which is you're trying to describe. I think you were probably somewhere in your mind playing the Sangiovese Nebbiolo game, yep. um, so decided to say how it finished, either on tannin or on fruit or on tartness or on, or on acid. I'm guessing that was what was going through your head. Um, uh, and you put, uh, you had those two varieties in there, and Tempranillo, uh, because of that, I think, because of that really savory component, um, uh, that, because I certainly, whenever I mention, like, if I'm thinking, could this be Brunello, could it be, um, could it be uh, Rioja, because those are definitely have, besides, obviously, one's a lot of new oak and one's not, if that's not 
immediately apparent to you. I think there's a lot of savory components in both wines, and a drive component that really uh, kind of brings them together. Uh, I, I certainly confuse them. You went Chianti Classico, and the only uh, uh, bone I'm going to pick is that you describe something much more complex than Chianti Classico. Yeah. Chianti Classico, I can, uh, I can give you an example of that just so you can compare, um, which, 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 which I'll run and get, uh, uh, but it's going to be much fresher, much brighter, um, and not nearly as complex. Yeah, because I thought about it afterwards where mm -hmm. I just didn't think the structure was big enough, but with the age, maybe, um, for either uh, Brunello or... You don't have to get high, yeah. high on, so um, on Brunello. If I was calling Chianti, I should have called Reserva level. Yeah. Absolutely. Or like Grand Selezione or something. Yeah. Where were you? I was in uh, Barbaresco. Barbaresco, okay. 2011 and, Barbaresco. And what took you, because you were probably playing the game? I was same also game. playing the game. Okay. So um, what, what flipped your mind? I thought there were more kind of delicate floral notes on it, um, a little bit more of like the dried red roses and the violets. Uh, okay. I it didn't, mm -hmm. But it also didn't have seemed quite as rustic as Chianti Classico. Okay, and your structure, where was your structure? Mmm, I think medium plus acid and medium plus tannins. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and for you? I was in the Tempranillo camp in Rioja for this one. I think that the um, fruit quality being more of a baked expression here indicates that warm climate, um, kind of medium plus structure all the way across. Uh, I would have expected higher acid out of a Sangiovese or a Nebbiolo. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that the peanut brittle, uh, even the, the VA uh, notes here really indicate that oak aging that we would expect from Rioja. Okay, and you definitely get some VA on Rioja. Um, so you got, did you get new oak here? Yes. Okay, did you get uh, like a, a, a dill thing as well for like American oak or were you kind of thinking, oh, all right, this could be you know, I, I, like a Ribera? I think that Ribera is, this isn't in the Ribera camp simply because I'm not seeing a, a Cabernet influence at all and just the amount of either extract or, or winemaking style seems to be more in that Rioja method rather than more of like the Toro Ribera uh, okay. kind of flashiness. Yeah, because they have much more of a new polish. They're like they're, they're like the new world of, of Spain. Um, and uh, Ali, where were you? Well, I was playing the game between San Giovese, Nebbiolo, Tempranillo. Um, so. That's what we do. And <laughs> it was tough because I originally wrote down the baked quality of it, which I like that you picked up too. Yeah, um, and I it was super baked. Is, and uh, baked is definitely something over the real alcohol. And I was, I thought there was new oak as well. Um, okay. Not the dill quality, mm -hmm. but I, th I thought there was like a lot of baking spice. Okay. And so, although the tannins kind of threw me off, so I was like, am I back in the BLO? Um, and I definitely like the balsamic kind of call, which we talked about last week, which is like classic Rioja yeah. or 
and yeah. even if and I don't know if they're using any new oak here, but even on like uh, even on like a a lot of uh, Chianti or or, or Brunello, um, you know, Noble producers, they're kind of sneaking in a bit of new oak. Um, I'm seeing a lot of when I was just in when we were just in Chianti, we saw a lot of um, Hal Isole Olena is aging partially in American Barrique, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like really he's like oh yeah yeah like he wasn't we wasn't hiding it he's like yeah i've got american oak right yeah, there like, okay. um like stamps uh, and like everything there was a lot of like a lot of tonneau on a lot of new yeah. tonneau so it's like okay not quite barrique you're not going for really flash but you're definitely giving your wine a polish i'm not positive that they're using it but um we, we have too? very well done uh, Il Poggione, Brunello, oh, 2011. Man. There you Certainly go. anything in a half bottle tastes a bit older. I obviously decided to open up the Calvin Klein uh, half bottle collection gift pack that I got for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, um, right? So, uh, so, yeah, it's definitely tasting a little bit older than it would yeah. have if it was from a uh, from, 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 from a full uh, 750, but uh, the, the black tea um, and the leather are all extended maceration um, calls. Uh, you didn't get anything. You got a coarseness where, for me, a Rioja finishes on sweet fruit. It's yeah. dried, but it's yeah. almost like it finishes on a savory fruit roll-up. Um, maybe like is... a charcuterie fruit roll-up or something, because you get kind of that, you get a lot of, I get a lot of Ferris notes in, in Rioja. Right. Yeah, the tannin here is rather aggressive for a Rioja. Yeah. I think yeah. Um, maybe more of an alcohol and fruit. And you did call 2011. Um, uh, again, the only bone I had was this is Class so much more complex. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, Gran Selezione is certainly a, is, is certainly a call now. Um, uh, anything I wouldn't call it before 2010, but um, <laughs> uh, so there are a couple. Um, mm -hmm. All right, um, wine number four. Um, uh, again, you also had good timing. Some things that I wanted to say, let's see, tart, um, uh, you had that plum, cherry, red apple, so red apple, so you're kind of getting into a little bit like, we don't usually say apple uh, for red wine, but we sometimes do when I say it for certain, for, for, for certain grape varieties. Yeah, fermentation ester, so you can have that in young wines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and I think it's here for sure. Um, uh, tarragon, rosemary, and rose petals. You're getting floral aromatics. You're getting kind of savory herbs, and you're getting you're getting florals. I would like to hear a quality. Um, okay. uh, like dried versus dried versus fresh, desiccated. Yeah. Um, you know, pungent or not. Rose is certainly a fairly you know pungent kind of mm -hmm. variety. Rose and gardenia and other things, or ger mm -hmm. geranium, whatever. Uh, uh, um, uh, black and green peppercorn, and I like the green peppercorn because it reminds me of a certain kind of spice um, uh, that, that I think I think black peppercorn is another good call in there as well. Kind of brown soil. I think FF is forest floor because I think you called forest floor. Um, kind of got brown tea chestnut. I've never heard, but I kind of liked it. I've never heard anyone call that, but it was it was kind of cool. Um, Smoky chestnut too. Um, no spice, um, um, but neutral barrel. And here's where I'd want you to think. You were obviously thinking something neutral barrel and not stainless steel. Um, yeah. or cement or something, yeah. and I would have wanted to know why. Um, 
neutral barrel because maybe there's something oxidative about it or something texture-wise, but I'd like to hear a reason why you would call it. And you don't have to say neutral barrel because of, but right. I just, there's nothing that you said that I can really connect back to because the fruit, it's all like tart, like fresh red fruits, that red apple thing. It's not an oxidative quality to it. So I'd like to hear, like the, the you didn't say like dried roses or dried herbs. And if you did, I'd say, okay, dried, so, you know, um, barrel aging, mm -hmm. larger format, and, and there was nothing I could connect to. So that's why I'm like, all right, describe the quality of the things that you think are other. Mm -hmm. The brown tea is the only thing that I'm like, okay, that's an oxidative component, so neutral barrel makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, just connect it to something in your mind. A um, uh, little nitpicky thing you forgot to mention uh, anything on the dryness scale? It was dry, yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I did not mention that. Yeah. We kind of take it for granted that it's going to be, but uh, you echoed the kind of the tart, and you went from cherry to plum to currant to strawberry. So you're getting a full scale of ripeness here. Um, it's me because you went for going currant, which is like the most tart, somewhere to cherry in the middle, raspberry kind of also in the I middle, and then strawberry all the way on the right. It's mm -hmm. like full tart, but plenty of ripeness to it. Yeah. Um, uh, which I think, what the hell is this wine that I, what did I, oh yeah, I think it definitely has a full scale of ripeness. Um, like, what did I pour? Tarragon, uh, rose petal again, leather, okay. Um, you say, can you clarify that? You said full scale of ripeness. So you're saying that the, the, the fruit is ripe, or you're saying that it has qualities of being tart, ripe, overripe? I'm not saying that it's gone for me. This is... Because I always used to kind of describe that, and it was told to me um, by by Brom, so by a mentor, that it's uh, it's like you're describing a scale of ripeness. Like when, it, for for white wines, it's like you know you kind of go in that 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 lemon again, lemon peel versus lemon flesh, and then like tree fruit, is it green or is it yellow? Um, and then stone fruit, and then melon, and then like tropical fruits, and that's whereas Riesling can reach like tropical notes, it's uh, it doesn't mean that it's like overripe or anything, but it means that it's the grapes have really developed a full scale of ripeness. Um, uh, they've reached their level of maturity. It doesn't mean that they've gotten too flashy or too like uh, you know oldish. They've developed too much sugars, but they've developed their full spectrum of flavor. Um, it has for me a lot to do with um, kind of I, I associate it with sunlight um, hours, and I don't know if that's a, if that really makes sense or not. But in my mind, that, that that's what I that's what I think. Yeah, less less of a heat thing if you think about Alsace. Yeah, not as necessarily a hot region, but lots of sunlight. But I think of a growing season and a long growing season. And yeah, that's where they can achieve great ripeness. And that, and I get it in things like Rioja. It's like for me, there's like sweet strawberry, but also tart fruit. And, it's like yeah, yeah, and acid like, maintained. And, yeah, it maintains the acid, so it's like it's totally ripe. So I know I've got a big, long, sunny growing season. I like that. Alsace Rioja definitely has it, and I think where this wine comes from has it too. Um, uh, all right, uh, leather. Okay, so you're getting something older here. Um, uh, Brown potting soil, uh, something that I can't write, neutral barrel, and I think, again, I just wanted to know, uh, oh, so I wrote down size and circled it. I'm like, okay, is it, okay, why? Um, are we kind of in smaller format, larger format? Have we done something really oxidative to it? So mostly it's just to describe the quality of it, and that's my, uh, honestly, that's, that's, and you've heard me say that yeah. for all of you people in Atlanta need to describe the quality of things. Yeah. Um, uh, 
uh, medium plus acidity, medium alcohol, and I would, I would ask you to retaste it and tell me what you think the alcohol it's is. High. Okay, because yeah. um, Gamay doesn't really make sense with Grenache and Tempranillo. Yeah. Those two make sense together. Yeah. Gamay does not mm -hmm. really fall into that, that camp. You didn't yeah. describe anything that's Gamay except for red apple. Um, you certainly don't get leather right. out of it. Um, uh, rose petal, yeah, but you don't really get the you don't really get the brown soil mm -hmm. that um, you, you would be describing something much different. Um, uh, so I think you maybe were I don't know you maybe were thinking that when you said medium alcohol, but yeah, it's yeah. medium alcohol, medium alcohol, medium plus alcohol, definitely high alcohol. Um, uh, tannins, uh, moderate, and I'd say just describe a quality at the, yeah, this point. Start thinking of the thinking of th thinking about it. Yeah, um, uh, balance, medium plus length. Um, you said enough that I think you, your complexity is a little bit above medium. Um, uh, I hope so, mm -hmm. um, but 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 maybe not. Um, and then you said moderate climate due to the high acidity. Um, and yeah, that, cause you said say, medium plus yeah. acidity. I'm like, where yeah. are you going here? Yeah, where is yeah. so, um, I think the things you put in all besides Gamay certainly make sense for the wine. Um, three to five years. If you're going to say Gamay, you're definitely not going to do three to five years. No, you're going to, cause yeah, you either, it's gonna be new. Then, I mean, you can, but then it's like, you yeah, wouldn't be serving it. Right. You ultimately went Cote de Rhone Village. Yeah. Um, and Again, you Atlanta people call Vino Noble instead of which, which, which it could be, I but it's like you end up calling you guys call like the weird appellation for what it could be. Um, uh, and so, if you're going to go Southern Rhone, then call Chateau Neuf de Pop or Gigandas or Vaquera. Um, Vaquera, probably Gigandas or Chateau Neuf de Pop are the more testable areas. Vaquera is still going to be in there, but mm -hmm. they won't give you Cote de Rhone. Um, you can taste that, you should be able to certainly get that as a Rhone, but there's too much of a wide variety between styles of, of Cote de Rhone. Um, uh, where were you? I took this to the New World uh, initially. I think the fruit is really emphasized here. It definitely comes from a place that can uh, achieve the full scale of ripeness for their red grapes and uh, reminds yep. me of home actually with this wine. Um, I took it to a Washington Syrah. I think that the pigmentation indicates a highly pigmented mm -hmm. berry here. Um, a lot of alcohol with, with some tannin. Um, so that took me away from Cabernet. Uh, and it has more of a savory complexity than I would expect from Malbec. So, yep. um, Agreed. I'm in Walla Walla Syrah. Um, relatively youthful, but with with some maturity to it, so I'd say 2011. So I like that call. Allie? I said Giganos. Okay, and uh, give me three points, talking points for Giganos. Um, so I thought there was a mixture of sort of red, and I got like a purple flower kind of purple note to the wine. Which okay, I like a red fruit, do you mean? Like red fruit red and fruit. some purple fruit. And like some a purple fruit, purple um, flowers. I also got like, and I don't know if this is this makes sense either, but there is a tanginess to it that okay. I sometimes associate with Southern Rhone. Okay. Um, and there is also like sort of... Maybe it's that apple thing, because that red apple is kind of like a, you get yeah. like a tart and savory together. It's like sweet and sour. Kind of right. a... I yeah. thought the minerality was okay. there. Um, yeah. And it also had a smokiness, so maybe a 
good amount of serrano as well. Cool. All right. I, I like all the reasoning there. Did your structure make sense? Yeah. Were you I didn't really and... get high alcohol. Oh, okay. But, so that's what I'm going to there. Okay. I'm going to New World Syrah as well. Okay. Just really ripe, um, very fruit forward, but it had that kind of savoriness with the black pepper and smokiness. And so I really pushed me to Syrah, and then this isn't kind of overblown like Australia. So, yeah. But it's got that lifted aromatics, that kind of prettiness of flowers and that I always can associate with uh, Washington State. So okay. I would say Corn Valley Syrah. Okay. I, I'd still like my call. Oh, never mind. You called it. I'm like, yeah. Um, no, yeah, like, and I think your call is very good. So um, the last in Calvin's Klein, Calvin Klein's collection is a, uh, is shut uh, up. There it is. Um, again, uh, I tasted this in uh, halves. I tasted it in 750s and definitely tasting better in the half barrel, in the half bottles right now. Um, so 2013, uh, still a very, very young vintage, but tasting a little bit older than it is. So I think your call of 2013, wait, you did call 2013, um, so you were, you were right on. But uh, Vieux Donjon, old school producer, no new oak here. They're just using, uh, they haven't been producing wine very long, but they acquired, husband and wife acquired um, some very old plots. Um, and I think uh, right, right on Galaise too, I think in like the Lacroix area. So um, uh, it's a very um, traditionally made, um, only old large format wood here, um, like 80, 20 or so. So that Syrah is definitely coming through, I think with the meaty quality. Um, for me, there's a slight more freshness and lifted aromatics that I get from Washington State, though you taste those probably much more than I do. Um, I think Gramercy definitely approaches this kind of style uh, sure. when they make it. Um, I was also told Gramercy is not something they'll test on just because it's too uh, it's too old world in style. Right. Um, and I almost decided to go like Lake Hole 41 just to just to put it because it's also part of the half bottle collection. Nice. Um, but. But, uh, but but said, these two wines are something that they're so much, I think, in the way that they're made, the way that they're kind of aged, there's a lot of similar characteristics between the two, and so I wanted to do something that I think was fairly similar. Maybe this doesn't quite have the browning around the, the rim, though that's something that will develop with, with, with age. So um, it's not the most oxidative example of it, but often we're finding Chateau Pops to come out fairly clean and squeaky now. Um, especially the one that we had. Were you there? Yeah, you were there last week, I think, right, on the Monday tasting where we, oh, yeah. where we just totally bombed everything. Yeah, <laughs> and that was like a totally weird Jetson of Dupop for, for me. Um, this is more what I think of, but they're mm -hmm. all fair styles. Uh, so I think your yeah uh, your your gut was right, and the bubble trip was increase the quality level on on your call. Um, okay, how did I do? <laughs> Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to splitting hairs between Chen of Depop, Gigandas, Vacaris, what do you think of? I don't really know, and for a test, I think they're all correct. Okay, okay. Gigandas, help me out here. Gigandas is higher elevation and there's more limestone that comes down from the from the the, the dentels montmorel um, so some limestone structures that stick up erode and go into the soil so you get more lifted um, freshness out of the wine uh, the limestone is a base thick soil and so it increases acidity so you'll often get a little bit more acidity and i just feel like the saint Combe gigandas that i have a little bit darker a little bit more purple toned in color and just a little bit brighter aromas, um, not quite so 
doesn't quite have the animal notes, which is something that I think is here. Um, if you're going to say Syrah, you got to say like smoke or animal or, or something mm -hmm. like charcuterie. And I don't get that as much in Gigondas. And in just a uh, blind tasting scenario, looking at probabilities, I think more Chateauneuf de Pop is going to pop up because of production yep. and amount of um, producers that are accessible. So where there could certainly be distinct differences between the appellations. Uh, it's kind of like the Chinon Bourgogne um, question or, or even the Sancerre Puy Femme question. It's like go with go with the the big guy first unless you have a really definitive reason for um, yeah. going elsewhere. Yeah, call it benchmark appellation unless you have a really strong reason otherwise. But there are they might say, why don't you do that instead of just call Shot to Pop? But maybe you had a really good reason for it. Um, uh, but they're both, what I've been told is they're both going to be correct. And Vacker I'm not really sure. I haven't tasted enough Vacker Raw. It's just one of those that are allowed in there, though it was kind of the last to be elevated, so the wines generally tend to be a little bit lighter. 14%, um, so yeah, we are, we are high. All right. All right. Alright. So neither of you know what this is, which is exciting. Yeah. I want to kind of hear your breakdown and kind of what, is what you think it is. Okay. And then... Yeah. Well, uh, appearance, um, red wine that's uh, slightly hazy and with bright, moderate plus concentration, ruby going up to slightly garnet, uh, no gas sediment, and viscosity was high. Um, which I don't have anything about Saini. Uh, no, I forgot to mention it. There's definitely a moderate degree of it. Um, so that was about 30 seconds. See on the nose, we have sound, moderate, developing, uh, ripe to overripe, and slightly cooked with the black fruit mostly. With uh, you have some red in the background, some uh, black currant, raspberry, cherry. Um, I think you said red and black cherry, but uh, damp earth. You get some vanilla and BS going to new oak, red and purple flowers, violets. You um, picked up on VA with uh, some chocolate and mocha notes. There's also some cedar. Uh, Something, oh, cola. Cola bean. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, what else? So on the palate, sound dry, full bodied, uh, ripe, still that red and black fruit, cherry, raspberry, um, black plum skin, black plum and plum skin, um, which I really like the plum call, but dried flowers, red and purple, cedar, mulch, tobacco, smoke, stone, gravel, uh, inorganic earth as well, savory. Uh, BS with vanilla and new indicating new oak. Uh, tannins, moderate plus or coarse and dusty. Um, alcohol is moderate plus. Dusty tannin is the best song for the star ever. So acidity is moderate plus. Uh, yeah, moderate plus down the board uh, with the uh, wine is in balance. And so. Let's see, you're at 111 on the nose, 230 on the palate, a minute on the conclusion, total, uh, old world, modern climate, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Tempranillo, France, Spain. Um, final conclusion was old world, Merlot, uh, from the right bank, Bordeaux, saint Emilion, France, 2012 vintage. So Which, yeah, dusty tannins, I totally agree with, um, that's... That's old world to me, generally. Um, and 
are some exceptions where we put it, you know, tannins present differently. These are these are not sweet tannins. Nope. So, yeah, that, that's pushing me to old world. I really like the plum call, like I said. The chocolatey notes, um, yeah, that savoriness that you didn't really get into, but kind of um, uh, like mushu pork is kind of what I would call this. Mushu pork? Yeah. Okay. The, uh, uh, mushu, is that like a hoisin kind of? Yeah, a, the yeah, plummy okay. hoisin sauce. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There's okay. uh, oyster mushrooms and... So it smells kind of like foresty and yeah, okay, I like that. And that like savory, earthy, kind of meaty thing. <laughs> okay, mushroom like pork is my new is yeah. <laughs> it's a good taste. And that's an indicator to me of right back Bordeaux. It's also an indicator that you probably want lunch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's like you know Michael would always call sweet and sour chicken for uh, real. Yeah. 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 Mushroom pork is my thing for right back Bordeaux. And I would have wanted to call purazine for it too. I just don't really, I don't get it. So I just, but I have to trust that there's something else in there. There's, there's enough in there that's leading me without calling purazine because that's a, I'm blind to it. What did you all think? Yeah, I mean that was a consideration for me as well, and I, I wasn't getting purazine, um, and I thought that this had. Um, definitely an old world quality and some funk. I took it to Chetnook to Pop of all things. Um, not sure if the alcohol is quite there, but uh, we'll see. Okay. Certainly could be because we didn't. Mm. I didn't tell her what the wines were going to be. So. Uh, I was in left bank Okay. So you got more. You did get pyrazine then, I'd imagine. Yeah, but also like I'm not consistent with pyrazine, so. Okay. I can't really put a statement around that, yeah. but it just, I hate to say this, but I taste in colors, and so... That's okay, so does Lauren. I just... And I don't understand it at all. Did not. <laughs> so does Tim Gage. He tastes in shapes, and like, <laughs> magic, he, t- he tastes in like magic make-believe fairy tales. Like, it's just, he, I don't, have you, have you read his blog? Yeah, sure. I, oh, yeah. I, I like I don't I don't know what yeah. you're talking about, dude. <laughs> I feel like it's a blessing and a curse because so what, what absolutely what 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 color? Um, well, it seemed just black and okay. some merlot to me seems more like purple, fleshier, rounder. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really I don't know like I the structure was there. The I thought I got Pharisees and. Well, I, I just have oh. like a couple questions just after that. So, yeah. you know, I like your idea of like the color and the black and stuff. So, if you guys had to just go and pick a pepper camp, are you in bell pepper pyrazines or are you in peppercorns? Peppercorns. For this wine? I'd say peppercorn. Yeah, peppercorn, I didn't, peppercorn. I didn't get green bell pepper. Right, which I would associate with more ripening. But I mean, you and I never yeah. get. I don't green get green bell pepper, so <laughs> yeah. I, that's why I'm like, could be. <laughs> okay. Um, fair. I got, but I said, did I say herbs somewhere in here? Because I usually will end up like calling like rosemary or sage or something for for it, um, and say something green, and that's yeah, kind of purzine, and I don't even think I said it for thing. this. When you talk about tobacco. Yeah, tobacco smoke. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was thinking Northern Road Syrah in this, but I didn't say enough that convinced me of really Syrah. Really, that's a shame because you should have stopped with that. Uh, I didn't think I said enough to. Uh, oh, cool. Twenty ten. <laughs> Obviously not from the same half bottle collection. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Red. All right.
So that's why there's all right. So that's where all the uh, that's where savory, all smoky. The savory notes come from, which I didn't expand on, and I didn't say anything green. Good I didn't one. say dried flowers. So thanks for sharing that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, my inventory and my it, sales staff for not selling it for the past two years. So there you go. <laughs> I was. Thanks. I was thinking, I like this wine, and I don't like Bordeaux, so why am I going to call Bordeaux? Maybe it's just Bordeaux that I actually like. Um, yeah. But. Cool. Well, I'm still seeing the red color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was looking at. I like the idea of the black six yeah. color and stuff like that. But I just thought it was really interesting, because you guys were all mentioning varietals that have piercings, and I'm like. I think you're probably going to be oh, good, but this time is called new group, so. Okay. Oh, do you have to work today? Yeah, I'd be there too, so. 140. Oh, wow. Wow. Great tasting. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Nice job, everyone. Thanks all for making it. I'm glad that it's actually kind of nice doing just a small group. Yeah. I yeah. actually really like this as opposed to the, the last one of like 10 or like nine people or something. That was a little. Thanks, guys. Bye, Ben. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, with the smaller group, there's a benefit of having a dynamic discussion and Mm-hmm. Everyone gets to chime in in equal measure. Yeah. What I like is that for me, I get much more out of hearing everybody's ideas afterwards. It's like, okay, we all get to go through the grid. That's nice practice, but it's more important for me the way I'm going to learn from, you know, when I know what the wines are is from hearing a discussion afterwards. And let's like really compare and figure out. And the last tasting we did was supposed to do that, but there were so many people that I think everyone, you were there, I believe, right? On Monday? Oh, last week? Yeah. 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 Where we didn't really talk much after because no one, we, oh, I, I went one, one for nine. Um, and, and, and we were all kind of feeling similarly, you know, shitty about, about it, I feel. And so we're all like, mm, I don't really know why. It's like, no, we kind of blame the wines. Maybe they're not good examples. It's, um, uh, and the idea was to, like, hey, let's all try and figure out, you know, which is which and why these are different. So um, I think. Everyone did really well, so it's it's you're all like pretty happy. I think about I think we're all pretty happy about about the tasting. So it's it's easier to kind of describe, you know, kind of compare and contrast afterwards because uh, we're all like on the same page. But for me, that's I think that's that's where it's at is really trying to figure out. I wanted to pick things that are really similar to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And that actually was really good that you threw that in <laughs> because that actually, I'm like, oh shit, it's really like, it, it belongs in this flight. Um, uh, Cheers. I a lot from that. Yeah. Nice to be here, guys. <laughs>